Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, what's going on, No Bad Dog Army? Happy Wednesday. Hope you're well. Hope you're good. Hope you're safe. Hope you're all that. So, good podcast today with somebody who's dealing with a young healer doing healer sheet. S-H-E-E-E-T. Yeah, so going over, well, people are petting my dog when I tell them not to, and she's nipping people, and I don't know what to do, and what do I do, and we're going to the vet, we're nipping the vet, we're stressed at the vet. Uh, Just a lot of good information on how to kind of rebalance a dog that is doing these things instinctually. And um, yeah, so I wouldn't put it out if I didn't think you guys were going to really pull some good stuff out of it that I haven't said before. So it's a good one. Before we get into it, link in the description below for joining the No Bad Dog Members Club. Of course, if you guys don't know, it's a membership where you guys have access to all of my dog training videos, even the ones that we don't post on YouTube, which there's a lot of them. And we're doing a seminar with Force Mickey and myself later in May. And the link for that is below. We have one working spot ticket left and unlimited audits. Anyway, we're going to get into the podcast. But before I do, as always, you're going to, you guys are going to be answering your dog training questions at the end of the podcast. So there's always uh, going to be some more content at the end for you guys. If you guys want me to answer your specific dog training questions, all you have to do is go over to the iTunes review chart, leave your review and leave the question in the review. And uh, if you guys want to hear those or hear yours, listen to the end. Enjoy. You have two puppies Mm -hmm. and one of them is nipping and going after people or Uh kind of teasing them, nipping at them, et cetera, right? You had a trainer. The trainer, what did you say that the trainer did? I I missed that part, Mike. Sorry. They um, had us... For five to 15 minutes, the person had has to come in the house and they have to just stand at the entryway and throw treats at her. Okay. When, so I just want to get, so when, when you had the, so when somebody came into the house, you would throw the treats at the dog or the, the, the person the who came person. in that, that the person yeah. that's coming in that the dogs might nip at or get overly excited to the person coming in. And so we we did that. We staged um, everybody coming, like for Christmas Eve, everybody comes over again. And we staged the timing, you know, made sure to give enough time for everybody to do that with her before she comes in. Um, You know, and she got the treats, kept her on the leash near us. Um, She does not like to be... Uh, even I can't 
go at her with my hand over her head, she flinches. Um, I, you have to go under to her. And I tell everybody mm-hmm. that. And if you don't go under, if you go over, she's going to nip at you. She hasn't made contact with that. She'll just like kind of back off and nip at the air. Um, but the greeting is... Okay, so uh, how, how old is the how old is the puppy that we're talking about? That's the nipping. She's one. Okay, so has she been doing this since you've had her, or is this something new in her behavior? It's new since uh, Thanksgiving. So she was eleven months old when she started it. Okay, do you feel she like was it's, fine before that? Do you feel like it, it's new just because Thanksgiving you had people over and that was like overloaded and? I feel like it, but we have people, holidays are usually at my house with my family. We have a graduation party. Mm-hmm. She was fine. A ton more people were there um, that was outside, not in the house. But yeah. she had no problem. At gra- like We had other dogs, other a ton of strangers. We had no problem. Okay. All right. So, what do you do? Okay. So, this is the big problem, right? The 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 one year old nipping at guests when they come over. Right. Okay. So, when you say nipping, what does that mean? Does that mean just going over, grabbing their clothes, grabbing their skin, pinching them? What is that? What does that look okay. like? So, t- I've asked people because I'm a behavior therapist for autistic kids. Mm-hmm. So, I like to look at like the antecedent, the behavior. You know, what happened and what what it was and I'm trying to get everybody to define the nip. Mm-hmm. I, people have said she's bit. No mark has been left. Um, they haven't, you know, when I questioned my sister was the first one she did it to. I'm like, did her teeth touch you or did she just nip at you or whatever? She's like, well, I can't remember. She just kind of did a little growl and kind of nip. Now is this um, when, is this when they're coming in or is this randomly when they're just sitting well, down? So with my sister, the first time she nipped, my sister was sitting in a chair Mm -hmm. and she nipped at her. However, my sister is somebody that gives her treats out of her hand a lot and just gives her, uh, likes to just treat them. Um, Did she nip her hand? Yeah. It's almost always the hand. The last two times have been the only, um, she nipped somebody's butt and then she nipped a little girl that I work with her back, her coat. Okay. All right. I got it. And, and just to give me context, what, what, uh, what size is the, is this a little dog, big dog, medium dog? 55 pounds, medium. Okay. About medium. Cool. All right. Okay. So what are you, what are you doing about it now? Let's dig into the things that you're doing and let's go from there. So somebody comes into the house, um, just kind of go over the, the process of what you do, regardless of if we're nipping or not, what happens. Uh- Okay, so right now, because of the nipping, mm-hmm. I keep her on a leash um, and keep her next to me where she's the calmest. And then um, I will, keep, if I'll have them do the treats, I will have the people do slow, calm movements because she doesn't like the fast. She doesn't like the over the head. Um, so what do you, when you say over the head, what does that mean? So if you go to pet the top of her head, Right, but are people she are people flinches. are people coming in trying to pet her? Oh yeah, people love her. 
Okay. Yeah. So, I have a brother that wants to pet her so bad, and she just does not like him. She just backs up, and okay. and he's constantly, you know, trying to pet her. And I'm like, you got to – she's telling you no with every body language in her. Yeah. Okay, so um, when – okay. So what type of obedience do you have with her, would you say? Like if you asked her to do something, what you know, how responsive is she, and what type of things does she know well in the house? Um, after watch, before watching your videos, I would say she's pretty responsive after watching your videos. I'd say like on a scale of one to 10, she's probably like a four or five. She can do sit. She can do calm. She leaves it. Um, when we walk, she doesn't pull. I've taught her to stay right next to me. It's not really a heel cause it's not like right next to me. Um, and she'll look back at me and check in. If I stop, she stops and sits and waits for me. Um, Will she do any of those things when there's people over? Yeah. Yep. Um, the only time that I have not had her listen is if you separate her from Bo, which is what you're hearing. Um, and then... Yeah, if she's separated from Bo, it's almost impossible to have her do anything. So is that the, um, is that the fifty percent? Then she'll listen. She'll listen almost every time if if the other if Bo's around. Yeah, and then at the greeting, at the excitement at the door, she just so gets, that, it's definitely fearful at the door. Yeah, and that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to to really dissect here is. Uh, when, and that's really all that matters is when you actually need the obedience. It's not there. It's not there. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Right. So, you know, that's like being a really prepared person, but when you actually need something, they're just, it just, it's not there. Yep. So it's not a, it's not applicable to, so it's training, right? So when we talk about training, training in many different aspects is, training for what training for reality so if we're maybe a sports player we're practicing we're going to training for the game if if we are a a flight attendant we're preparing for anything that gets thrown at us right so training is for reality if something does happen we need to know what to do and how to handle it and Mm -hmm. if if you're training with your dog and when the thing that you're training for actually happens and nothing of what you train for is applicable then the training doesn't matter. Right. So that's right. where, that's a, that's just part of what we're talking about. You know what I mean? So if I were to say, hey, how is your, how is your control and training when you actually need it or when there's people over and you'd say, well, that doesn't exist when people's, when people are over, then, you know, that's a big, that's one of the big, big problems, one of the big right. pieces to it. So anyway, that that's something that you'll have to work on for sure. Because if 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 you came into my facility and said, "Hey, my dog is nipping and biting people," and I'd say, "Okay, well, how much control do you have when people come over?" and you say, "None," I would say, "Okay, well, there there's kind of like a roadmap that leads up to to things like this, where you have to have some sort of control in order to." handle these situations, right? So if it's just chaos and the dogs are going crazy and then somebody comes in 
and tries to pet the dog that doesn't like to be pet against your instructions, it, it's just like a lose, 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 lose situation. Right, right. You know, yeah. what, I'm, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I mean, at the door, since we started the training with the nipping, it, she does listen better than him. It, she does listen to me. She does go, you know, and stay away from them. It's not... I guess I want a hundred percent and she'll do it, but she's also still like anxious. She's still like vibrating with like, she's nervous about the people being there. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we have other, like my daughter's dogs come, they're not trained at all. So they're very ill mannered. And that's when she also like is the worst too. Then she won't listen when they're here. Yeah. That's another piece to it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's multiple pieces, but I think the two big pieces are control and practice when you need it. Cause again, I mean, if you don't have the control when you need it, then you you don't have it. Right. So again, it's, it kind of goes back to the equation of, Hey, when, when you actually need to handle your dogs and you can't, then that's the first place that you'll have to start with is actual control. Like you tell your dog to place and stay and they need to do it when people come in. And then the other, the other two things to that is, is guest management. So making sure that if, if you're going to have somebody over and you say, Hey, don't do this. And they do it. You have two different options. You either put your dogs away or you don't have those people over because they're just going to set your dog up for, for failure. Right. right. And then you're never going to be able to, to get over what you're dealing with because it doesn't matter how good your dog's trained. If somebody comes over and deliberately does everything that you told them not to, to set your dog up for failure, you're going to constantly have a hard time. Right. So there's that. And that's just in general, like with any dogs, again, if it's my dog or your dog or whoever's dog, you have to make sure that the people that are coming over aren't completely, you know, putting you into the ground with failure. Like, right, hey, don't, right. don't pet my dog. And they go over and pet your, pet your dog. And then yeah. your dog nips A lot of people do that though. Like you tell them, don't pat them and they'll still reach out for her. I'm like, right. So I'm that, not sure what part of no, you didn't. Right. So, I, so at that point. doing the walk her away from the person as they start to reach. I'll like, you know, cause she's always on the leash. I, I walk her, you know, put myself between her and them. So I am learning. Is I that, did you mean just that. Out, you mean just outside? Anywhere, like even in the house, if if people are coming, um, again, some it's usually family members that don't listen to me. Um, I'll just get between them and walk her away from them. Um, yeah, and, I would just I would just put her away. Yeah, because if you, the people that you're having over, that's like that's just like having a caged tiger in your house, and you're like, hey, don't mess with the tiger, and people are going over, sticking their hand in there. You you, right. have, you have to remove this animal from these people because w- what's going to end up happening is, is if somebody comes over and they're, they don't really care about being nipped by a medium sized dog and they're coming over like antagonizing the dog and then your dog gets upset. And then four minutes later, somebody walks in and ignores the dog and then gets nipped. It's because of that person. So right. you, you can't, you can't complain or get upset about, the failures that you're having when it's predicated off of somebody else. You know what I mean? It's not your fault. So the only thing, the only thing you have to do is remove completely remove the dog from the scenario. 
Right. So I'm like, hey, here's here's the red button in the house that will that will that will detonate the entire house. It'll blow up the whole house. Don't hit it. And people right. are going over going, smash, smash, smash. Right, right. You're like, okay, so you can't come over anymore. Or you hide the button. So that's that's just a decision you'll have to make. You either, okay. You either, no, no, that yeah. makes sense. And I have limited the, the people coming over that haven't listened. Some of them live far away and it was only holidays. So Yeah, yeah. in uh, those types of situations, just put your dog away. Yeah, yeah. Because no matter what you do, they're going to keep failing your dog and hitting that button. And she's a, a part blue healer. So it is like the nipping is part of her breed. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So what you have to do is, is again, like get back down to your basics. And then the other part of this is what you're doing to correct the behavior when it happens. So your basics aren't good enough to have this type so you're you're what you're training for your training isn't good enough like if if i was an instructor or a teacher and i was like looking at your training i would say okay you're not prepared for the test yet but you're you're continuing to take the test which is inevitable because people are going to come over so i I just want you to understand that that's okay but you have to realize that when if you're not prepared for that realistic training then you're probably going to continue to fail. And in order to mend that gap or kind of like bridge those two together is, you know, continuing to put the leash on the dog until you get to that point. So if you say, go to your place or your bed or whatever, and you say, sit, stay or downstay, and there's heavy distraction or there's somebody coming in and you're like, okay, my dog probably isn't going to stay here during all this because this is a ton of distraction, then it's your job to keep the dog in the leash and make sure that they don't fail. Right. But also when they do, like, I know you said you're tugging on the leash. So, you know, if you watch my videos, you, you understand that it's not even my opinion. It's just how dogs respond after right. doing it hundreds and thousands of times of look. When your dog is doing this at this level, meaning your dog is committed, being a healer mix and being just a small, medium working dog in general, your dog is ready to go up and nip people because that's what their instincts are telling them to do or whatever. So if you're not matching the dog's behavior with some sort of consequence that the dog actually cares about, you're going to continue to do what we call the definition of insanity, which a lot of people fall right, under, right. just constantly right. just failing and failing and failing and failing. And so once you use some sort of correction to the dog that actually is meaningful or the dog cares about or in lamest terms is effective then you're going to kind of still be in that same rut so it makes sense to me when you have people you have a healer mix you have people at this age you have people coming over they're doing every, some of these people are doing everything you tell them not to do your obedience isn't good enough to be handling these situations yet and the dog isn't getting effectively punished for actually either breaking the obedience that's going to counter potential risks and or yeah you know or or just the nipping in itself isn't being punished so all of these things those three things are a trifecta of continual failure because of that so you'll have to work on those three pillars obedience guest management and making sure you find some sort of effective correction that 
the dog actually responds and, and cares about. Yeah, I mean, as far as punishment, when when she's like once the minute she nipped, the first time she nipped, I started getting a trainer, you know, keeping her on a leash, um, away from people until, you know, because I don't want a dog that bites. I I don't think she's um, she's not an aggressive dog. She's more reactive than anything. So I've had her on the leash and I do the pop. I, you know, walk her away from the situation, like the people coming in, it's very stressful for her. So I take her into the family room, which is furthest away from the entryway and, and she'll stay with me. Um, and she doesn't fight to, you know, fight the leash. She'll stay. Um, so I'm not sure, I guess, yeah, how many? What tra- how is many, the punishment? Yeah, I'll tell you. How many trainers have you had? We only had the one, right. um, the trainer, and it was so. A lot of it is solely based on treats, um, and he quit uh, responding. Um, he saw her and was like, "She's really good. She's not that reactive." You know, you do this and she's fine. So he had us hold like cheese sticks during the training. I would hold a cheese stick in my hand. She would sit there chewing on it. He'd walk around her and she would be fine. Sure. He's like, oh, she's, you know, she's fine. And I'm like, but, you know, the next day or a week later or something, it wasn't the next day. But, you know, the next time she's still right right back in her pattern. Right. Because the having having an Italian deli at your hip when somebody comes over is not going to be realistic. It's not, it's not like, okay, everybody's, when you come over, oh, we ran out of cheese sticks. You guys can't come over today. Cheese sticks for what? Oh, for my dog. What, is, right. that a, is that a joke? I'm confused. So. Right. You, that's and and I'll that's break it. part of why I'll I break, need it to be something well, different. Sustainable. That, that, that's that's yeah. crazy. That's just insane. That's just buying your friends, right? It's like, oh, I hate you. I don't like you. If I give you a hundred bucks, will you like me? Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Sure. Right. You know, how, how realistic is that? And, and how real is that? It's not. It's like, hey, $100 bill over here doesn't help you. And that's why you're failing. And so my point is, is I know you said in the beginning that y- your your training was, be- okay, let me break it down. So you have a, you have a young healer mix that is doing young healer stuff. When somebody comes in, the dog may go over and boop, tag a person, boop, tag a person, boop, tag a person, right? So that's herding instinct. That's potential protective instinct. It doesn't matter really why it's happening, but these things make sense for a young healer mix, period. Makes total sense. Nipping hands, get out of here. I'm moving you away. I'm moving you in the other room. I'm moving you out of the house. Makes total sense. There's people that are coming in that are going against your will and saying, hey, don't pet my dog. Don't look at my dog. Don't talk to my dog. They're doing it anyway. But you have to you have to understand that when somebody comes into your house and you just wave a, a piece of cheese stick or a piece of salami, the dog's like, okay, give me that. Okay, now I'm going to go back to what I was doing. So that doesn't make any sense. It's absolutely right. Gar- I agree. I it's agree. garbage. It's <laughs> it's crazy that people can get away with charging for for let me come over and see if your dog likes cheese instead of going after somebody. Well, of course they do. But once the cheese is gone and then they have diarrhea, they're still going to go nip somebody. So right. it's not sustainable. So I, I you know, I, I, I'm, I have empathy for you of trying to hire somebody to help, but of course that's not going to help anybody other than make your dog obese. So what you have to understand is 
in this situation, like it, it doesn't surprise me that you also pull the dog away and the dog isn't reactive. We're not talking about necessarily a reactive dog. We're talking about, a, a, again, a, a young healer mix that is instinctually hurting people and or nipping people because that's what their mind is telling them to do. And you have to be able to sustainably punish the dog for that behavior. So pulling back on the dog and shoving their shoving cheese sticks in their face is not is not that's not going to help you literally whatsoever not even it's not even going to take away one layer of the actual problem so it so what i would do is get yourself like a slip leash a slip leash that has like a really nice like we have them on our website they have really really nice um tabs so it doesn't fall down and you're going to keep it nice and snug and right now what's what's happening is if the dog goes in in goes after somebody or breaks the sit and stay there's no punishment for it there's nothing happening the dog is just getting put back to the stay or you're just pulling the dog back there's not an actual correction going on here so you have this little well, you have I this pop the leash to like with um mm-hmm. it wasn't a slip collar because she was on a harness or it's to a regular collar. Now I have the slip collar. I bought those after watching some good. of your training. Um, so now I have that. That's okay, but I good. did like kind of like jerk on the leash to like get her attention, get her to look at me, and then. Yeah, um, that's good. So you just have to make sure moving forward that you're continuing to do that to make sure that you're correcting the behavior when it happens. Your timing has to be good, and the pop has to be effective. That's all. So if you're yeah. doing that, great. I would continue to do that. So that's that's really what you what you want to continue to do is is manage that situation when you have people over. Is you walk up with her and you're correcting her when she tries to nip. You're almost waiting for her to try to nip somebody, and you're trying to correct that behavior when it happens at the right time. So right. to me, I wouldn't. There's two different ways to go about it. You can actually hit it head on and go up to these people and just wait for your dog to make that mistake because it's not going to be an attack or a bite. It's just going to be a quick nip. It's, it, she's just being opportunistic, right? So she's mm-hmm. coming up. She's she's saying, hey, I'm hurting you out of here or whatever. And, and then you have to say, nope, disengage, stop, correct the behavior, make it uncomfortable for the dog when they do that, mark it with a leave it. And then the other thing is is your obedience outside of that would be go to your place and down and sit and stay and stay there until I release right. you. But that obedience has to be done incrementally. You can't just, it's from what I understand of what you're telling me, you're not going to be able to do that successfully when you actually have people over. So you have to practice that up into that point. And then even, yeah, when- I, we didn't have that skill. We just, um, well, we had stay, um, but I was doing it wrong. So they weren't doing it now that I've, um, learning the the right way to do it like put them in stay walk away come back to them because i was doing the stay and then calling them to me so now that i'm doing that they are staying better i just started place after watching your videos and i thought that makes the most sense for her to have a place that she can go to yep when people come she goes there until she's calm enough until like she is okay and then send her back there if needed <clears throat> but we just started doing it and she's doing okay with it and right. i haven't had a chance to test to see how she would do if anybody came 
Yeah. So when you're when you're doing this, you want to stand when somebody does come, and this is something that you should be practicing as much as you possibly can. If if even if it's somebody who lives with you or a friend or a neighbor or somebody whatever, just say hey, just come over or, or just leave the house, go around front, and then come back in. These are things that you have to make sure that you're hanging on to the leash when this happens until you get to a point where you can do it off leash. Because that's the mistake a lot of people do is they finally just scratch the surface of being able to get away from the dog on a place stay with minimal distractions or no distractions. And then they have this person come in and then they break the stay and then you're screwed because your your opportunity to correct the dog on time is gone. So right. just make sure that you're setting it up successfully that when you are doing this, you're next to the dog on the place stay. So you're so so at the end of the day, really, there's, there's certain things that you, you can't tell a fish not to swim. And it may be, right. it might be the case of you may not successfully be able to get your herding dog mix to stop wanting to herd certain people, especially if they're doing everything that you told them not to do. So what you have to do is work on making sure that your obedience is good enough to keep your dog into a position where you can keep them successful. And if that means leveling up with your obedience and getting better with your off-leash control, maybe with the remote collar or whatever that's something that you could do in the future to really, because if, if you have a loaded gun of a dog, but your obedience is really good, it doesn't matter who comes over or what comes over. You can have six elephants walk through the room, but your obedience is good where your dog's just going to stay there because they, they know to stay there. Right. So, so you have to work on both things there. Well, really three, three different things is making sure that your correction is on time and it's effective because we, when we talk about different corrections, right, we talk about, let's say, a rumble strip. A rumble strip is a perfect example of a correction for a person. You're out, you're driving, and you go off the road a little bit because you're messing with the radio, and your rumble strip is not timed right. Well, guess what? Now you're in, you're in the ditch or worse. So right, right. that rumble strip is perfectly timed that if you go off the road at a certain, oh, back over right? So you got to make sure that your timing is on time to correct the behavior when it happens to let you know that's the wrong, that's the wrong area. You, you, you can't be there. You can't do that. That's get out of there. So the other thing is, again, is just management. If you're having people over, that's not going to listen to you. Again, talk about the red button, put your dog away. Right. That's over. Right. That's done. And then again, continuing to work on this obedience until you can get to that point where you can send your dog to a place remotely off leash, no matter what's going on, no matter who's banging at the door and then getting them to stay as people are coming in and they kind of all work together, but that's the reality so, of what you need what to do. What do you do when you're um, like here, I'm going to have a place, I have a box that they mm -hmm. go, you know, a low thing like those beds that you have. Yeah. Um, that they go to that I just started a couple of weeks ago. They go to place. Well, if I'm at somebody else's house, where does she go? Cause I'm not going to carry the box with me everywhere. Right. Right. So that's where you, again, like that's kind of how your, uh, your sustainability of your obedience comes in. So that's the same thing as saying like, I, t I taught my dog how to sit at my house so does that mean they, they can only sit at my house? Well, obviously not. It's the same thing with any new behavior. When you're working with like an external object, like a, like a box or a, pl or a, a placemat or whatever, you, your job is to, again, like this is, this is the part that, this is part of the three things that I was talking about is getting your obedience down because that's what you're going to have to do to control this healer. 
that's they're i mean healer healer dogs or healer mixes are literally supposed to be on a farm pushing two ton animals into barns and doing doing 10 of those at a time so right. you know uncle fred that comes over that's annoying and won't leave the dog alone is no problem for your dog so you <laughs> you have to make sure that your obedience is tight right because your dog is going to say oop time to work time to do this right. time to do that because they're working dogs right so they aren't good just in general most working dogs aren't great pets unless you outlet that with something with work they're not they're not great to just lay around and do nothing because what happens is is if you get a dog that instinctually wants to work because of their genetics or because of their breed and they don't work throughout their life or throughout the day or throughout the week or the month when it's time to actually do work they will clock in without your consent and say hey <laughs> my time to work cuz nobody right. else is giving me a job here right. you know so anyway my point is is you're obedient so teaching your dog to place on anything is your job but that's part of basic obedience the place command is is transferred to a couch a uh, um a yoga mat a rug a, you know whatever but regardless of that let's take the place away just work on your downstay it's like oh well i can't get my dog to downstay in, in in different places well then you can't ask your dog to behave in these situations either okay so if i go to my mother's house with bell and they have a new puppy. She's not a fan of this puppy because it's like too much energy. It's mm -hmm. like right in her face. I would put her in a downstay because I really don't have, we're just starting place and she's just getting it. Um, I would put her in a, like sit next to me. I noticed in your videos, you had your dog in between your legs mm -hmm. for touch maybe was mm -hmm. the command. Place place was that so mm -hmm. i was thinking that would be that's what i need her to do is be near the us outside so i would just teach her that command well it's place. i mean you, you can you can do a there's a couple different things you can do but you know my main concern just just on this topic is the other dog because again it's the same thing as uncle fred Right where right. you you have you have your dog in a down state, perfectly minding her own business, and then the puppy's coming over, la, 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 jumping on the dog, nipping the dog's ears, and then your dog turns around, whack, smacks the dog with a correction, and then the puppy rawr, rawr, runs away, and you're like, oh my god, right. no, you shouldn't be sorry. You have to set right. first of all, don't bring again, go back to success. Don't bring your dog okay. over to another person's house if that dog isn't going to be controlled, or you don't feel comfortable telling your mom to say, Hey, can you keep the puppy away from my dog for right now? Because this is too much. So you, again, like these are types of okay, situations right. that you can bring your dog over and let them be dogs. And your dog may correct the puppy a couple of times and that'll be it. But there's so many different, that's what I'm saying is you have to have a toolbox and a toolbox of behaviors to be able to Think about like a Navy SEAL or something, right? Like they, they have so many different things that they can do, water, air, land, like, and, and that's not really a good example for what we're talking about. But my right. point is, is just being able to have a toolbox of, hey, when you put me in a situation and I tell my dog to do something, I can counter the environment with obedience and control. Okay. So right now you can't do that. So if you bring your dog that 
doesn't listen to you under realistic circumstances or very high distractions, which this would be, and you can't control the puppy, lose, 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 lose all day long. So realistically, what you would do is you go over, you say down, you say stay, and then the puppy keeps away. That's it. Done. But you don't, you don't have that yet. So you couldn't do that. So you would be frustrated. You'd fail. You'd ask the dog to do it over and over again. Likely it would just be a mess. So you just, you have to make sure that when you go out and you do anything or you're in your head, you're like, this is what I'm going to do. You have to know you've prepared for it for weeks and your dog will actually do it. Okay. Um, so the other thing with her is the separation from her brother. Mm-hmm. And and it's a physical brother. It's not like I have two dogs. They actually are litter meats. Mm-hmm. And I can't separate them. When they are separated, she'll just sit outside the door or like if at the pet store, my husband takes one bow one way and I have Belle. Mm-hmm. She'll just cry and cry and try to get to him. Is this another just obedience or is there something I need to work on with her for being separated from him? He's fine. He'll leave her in a heartbeat. <laughs> it's not an obedience thing um, because it, it's it's more of just, I mean, this is just something that happens with, with siblings. Is That's why you know a lot of people don't get siblings because of this reason because they, they tend to just care about each other more than anything else. Um, but when you're, it, that's something you just have to start doing, right? So right now, you have to start practicing them being separate. So let's say, let's let's say you just got them, and you've had them for a month, and they've been together literally before they were even born. Right? Then they're born. Right. Then they're together. Yada yada yada. And then you get them, and the first month, the first four weeks, the first thirty days that you have the dogs, it, they've never been separated because you guys are always together. You're bringing them places. They're always at home, right? And then the next month comes and then you go away with one dog and then the other person goes away with the other dog and now there's an issue. It's because they're spending too much time together and you're not practicing the separation. You're not, you're not flexing the muscle of the problem. And the, prob- right, right. The, okay. the problem is, is them being separate. So again, think about, you got to really audit how many times these dogs are separated. And if it's once a month, that's the problem. You have to separate them often and start getting them used to not being around each other. And that's something that you'll just have to spend extra time and it's going to take extra work to do it because you have siblings and some people you can get away with it and the dogs don't care. But then other times because they've never been separated and it's something they don't do often, they have this codependency thing. So there's really no obedience training that's going to necessarily help you or you're not going to correct the dog for having this separation anxiety or codependency, you're just going to have to desensitize the separation or more, two. more okay. often. That's kind of what I was doing <laughs> as yep. a behaviorist that for people, that's what I would do. Yeah. Um, you just have to start desensitizing the patterns of them actually being away from each other. So they learn how to deal with it. They have to learn how to actually deal with life without one another, or at least the, the, the one dog that's a little bit more anxious. They just have to figure out how to live life without, but, Again, like that's something that you have to ease into over time. It's nothing that you just 
start doing. Well, yeah. you st- you do start doing it, but you're not going to see, I guess my point is, is you're not going to see like drastic changes the first time you do it. I think right. it's something to say, okay, you know, every morning you do this and every morning you do this and you separate them for half an hour and then they're back together. And then again, it kind of just depends on how much time you have and how much flexibility you have. But any time that you can separate them, I would do it to start again. Okay. So that muscle is, is weak and, and small and scrawny and it doesn't have any foundation. And what you have to do is start building that muscle. And of course, the way that we build muscle is just using it and using it and using it. So what you have to do is separate them and separate them and separate them sometimes for five minutes, sometimes for an hour, sometimes for just randomize it too. like, don't make it a big deal. Just say, whoop, grab a puppy and go to the store or grab a dog and go out back or grab a dog and go on a trail hike or whatever. You just have to start randomizing the separation. So there's a, a very realistic desensitization pattern. So it's not you don't want to get into too much of a routine with it. You just want to whoop gone and then right. whoop back and don't make it a big deal. So when she's crying, like I took Bo to the vet a couple times, which I'll ask you about him real quick before we end. Um, I took Bo to the vet. She apparently cried the whole time and they were like patting her, giving her treats. Is, is that like rewarding the behavior of her being scared like should we be rewarding like giving her attention when she's anxious like that or should we just ignore it i yeah i well you think about positive reinforcement and and the definition of it if right. if if and it doesn't matter if it's humans cats giraffes or dogs positive reinforcement by definition is to reward a behavior that we want to happen we want to see happen again we want to encourage it to happen again so, so we shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if all. a dog is it doing, it should be just flat out. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, just the same thing with same thing with people. I mean, if 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 a if an if a dog is doing something that we don't like or we don't want to see again, and we're using all sorts of positive reinforcement, then yeah, you're definitely encouraging. It's not to be honest with you, dog's not going to care one way or another, but it's not going to help by saying it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Because first of all, the dog doesn't understand you. Second of all, right. the dog is crying because they're 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 upset that their brother is gone, and then they have a bunch of humans stuffing them with food and petting them on their head like this is good, this is good. I want you to keep behaving like this, and then you're scratching your head like I wonder why this isn't getting any better. So right. again, like ignoring the situation as much as possible, and the way that I always explain it is is, is dogs will react to humans um, regardless, you know, whatever. But this is a situation that when you pull them apart, the 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 they're, they're going to like the female is going to be upset, right? So it's going to be this whole thing. And the, mm. the more of a big deal you make it, the more of a big deal it's going to be. Right. Right. That's what I thought. And I was obviously, I wasn't here those two, t- the two times yeah. for that. Yeah, I, would but just, I, was like, I would just ignore it completely. Like the more of a big deal you make anything with dogs, you know, imagine somebody knocked on your door and you're like, what's that? Who's here? What's going on? What should we do? Boom, 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 boom. And the dogs are like, Woo-hoo! and they get really stimulated and, and then it's just a mess. But right. if somebody walks into your house and you just ignore the situation, it's not going to be as big of a deal. Right. You know, so that's what you're, you know, you don't want to fire the dog up. Right. Yep. Okay, and then, and then so- say, and then say, calm down. It's like, uh, nope. You know, so. So I'm, Getting her, I'll get her more controlled. That I have to, I have to 
manufacture some situations and yes. <laughs> practice it because here at home, she listens to me every single time on walks. She'll listen to me. It's just people coming over and I don't have people coming over a, a whole lot. So I'll have to practice it. Um, is there any reason that I should put a muzzle on her or is obedient like until I get the skill and get her to completely be in a place, sit, stay? Well, the muzzle. If is, I have her around people, the muzzle is just going to give you, I think, a little bit more peace of mind if she does well with it. Like if you condition condition her on the muzzle well, I think it'll definitely give her some peace of mind, or I'm sorry, you peace of mind, knowing that she right. can't actually you know, hurt anybody. But again, you have to just understand the concepts of what she's doing. She's not trying to attack or hurt anybody. She's just right. doing healer stuff. So, yeah. um, yeah, I'm, and that's kind of your call, but I, you know, if this was a situation where your dog was a, maybe a German shepherd latching onto people, I would say maybe you should consider muzzle training to make sure everybody's safe. But this is, this is, I think to me on a scale of, a really big deal and easy to control. It's it's just very minimal. So I, I would I would really make sure that you're when you're doing any of this that I think it's easy to kind of map out. I think you can really okay. see what's gonna happen. Somebody comes over, we get stimulated, your dog's gonna eye and wait for that little window of whoosh, snap of a correction or, you know, this little quick little tag uh, as I call it. And right. um and, and dogs do it with hands exposed because it's an easy target, and then they'll do it in the rear end because it's that's what healers do. That's exactly what they're developed to do. Wired over thousands and thousands of years to move things by nipping their rear end or nipping them in general to move them. It's it's they it's a conditioned thing. They come up with their right. teeth, they snap with their teeth, or they nip the heels. The animal moves. They say, "Okay, good, good job." They get rewarded. It's an immediate. Right. It's a, an immediate, uh, you know, negative reinforcement type thing. So, anyway, um, I, you know, the muzzle would I think give you peace of mind. But I, I to me, it just seems like this is so easy easy yeah. to to navigate through because you're not dealing with like a neurotic attacking randomized dog you're dealing with a little healer that's just trying to figure out what they can get away with and so i think just keeping the slip on and doing a little bit more obedience and just but again make try to do this as often as you can so if you have any opportunity to have people over that are going to help um or, or like i said if you live with your husband and other people or at least your husband just say like hey go outside and walk around and ring the doorbell and come in like obnoxiously <laughs> and just start, yeah. just start work because that'll give you a good opportunity to work on the place. And oh, the that's stay true. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah. And, but I would, she is so excited about people. Absolutely. Uh, her, her people coming out. Absolutely. So that's the same. It's the same. same obedience. Skill. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Same skill. Didn't think of that at all. Yeah. It's the same skill. They're just going to wear the behavior on a different end of the spectrum. So one yeah. of the spectrum of strangers would be, uh, like, hey, you're here. Who are you? Let me check your ID. Get out of here. Are you good? Are you not good? And then the other end of the spectrum is your husband walking through the door, knocking it with a box and kind of, you know, being clunky and obnoxious. And they're, oh, you're here. And they get all excited. Yeah. It's the same skill set to counter the behavior. Okay, perfect. Because mm -hmm. that, that I can do. I can have. Yeah, do you it know, often. The college kid, when he comes home, yep. they get like 
they lose their mind and I can use that. Absolutely. I didn't even think of that, like using a different behavior, a different yeah. situation as training. Yeah. It'll, again, it. it'll, it'll kind of flex that muscle, you know, think about, again, think about an athlete is they're, they're out there, they're in their gym, they're flexing those muscles, but when they go out and they play football, baseball, basketball, surfing, hockey, it's, they're using all those muscles. You're like, Oh, I've prepared for this. I know what to do. It's just a different, it's just a different, you know, equation. It's just a different application, but it's the same. You're still building the same muscle. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, okay. I would do that often. So that way you're not waiting for that one holiday to make this better. Right. I would just, you know, <laughs> exactly, just do, yeah. it, do it as often as you can. And that's what we do at the facilities. I'll just go around the building and <laughs> knock on the door. Hello, anybody in there? And the dogs are barking. Right. And that's just, right. it's easy, you know? So do that often. Yeah. Um, so I know we only have a little bit more time. I have a question. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen it in any of your videos and it might not be trainable. Um, Bo had a horrible neutering experience, was so sick, completely had to go in multiple, multiple times. And since then, you can't go to the vet. He I knew it was going to be, be about muzzled. the vet. <laughs> <laughs> he has to be muzzled. He ended up, he uh, cracked a nail in half. Um, and the vet couldn't, uh, she muzzled him. She sedated him a little bit. Yep. And he's still like attacked um she put me between him and the wall so he's up against the wall i'm pushing on him in the wall he's now muzzled and she's touching him and after a little while of her touching him to do an exam the second time he like attacked me like he went at me and and uh like he was if he didn't have the muzzle on he definitely would have you know hurt me to get to her basically Mm. um and obviously he's still a puppy still has to get shots he's got a well visit coming up um besides muzzling and sedate like is there any way to get him past this yeah well yeah um past it uh it's not it's not like a to work it yeah Yeah. it's 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 tough you know because you know, animals are so conditioned. And I, I do have this conversation just about every other day just because, you know, this is a big problem for everybody. And the reality is, is look at, okay, so dogs are conditioned, right? They hear the keys, they're going somewhere. They hear the leash, they're going somewhere. They hear right. whatever. They're very conditioned animals like we are. We smell smoke, right. it must be a fire, right? So right. with dogs, you got to think about, okay, let's go to the vet twice a year and get poked and prodded with somebody who isn't, instinctually good with dogs at all i've just my experience there's been a lot of there's some vets that are good but they're few and far in between a lot of vets are science and medicine they 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 study very 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 little animal behavioral if any very few colleges in the united states actually have any type of behavioral and the most we have found is a two-week course in one of the colleges so it's pretty it's so it some owners may be surprised by like, oh, I thought they'd be better. They're not because yeah, again, yeah. they're very, they're they're very science and medicine, and and that's good. We need them, um, but that doesn't mean they have you know air quotes good good bedside manner, if you will, of like how to deal with an actual situation with emotion. And so so they go to the vet, the veterinarian with the white coat doesn't doesn't really do good because they're waiting for their next. They just want easy dogs. They want puppies. They want guinea pigs. Yes. They want rabbits. They don't want a dog that's trying to bite them. So yeah. that's, so it's a, it's, it's a fail. It's a big failure, right? It's a big, like, 
black hole of a mess, you know, because right. you're nervous, the dog's nervous, it smells weird. Every time they're there, they get stuck with something. Every time they're there, the person with the white coat comes in and doesn't know what they're doing and they're fearful and they're nervous and they don't want to get bit and the vet techs are, it's just a, it's just a mess. So right. the, realistically, um, th- there's not much you can do other than heavily desensitization to make these situations better. But again, if you're doing it twice a year, I, I, you know, I had a live last night in the members club and somebody was saying like my dogs hates their nails trimmed. And again, that's one of those things that Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a very 50, 50 black and white thing. Either dogs don't care about it or they care about it a lot. And so this person was like, you know, we've been fighting the dogs getting aggressive. I've been working on it for months. I'm like, look, just drop your dog off at the groomer and be done with it because you're going to spend so much tr- time trying to teach a fish not to swim. And in this case, in your case, trying to get a dog not to be nervous about it. Everything that the dog knows about the vet, everything we taught the dog about the vet so far is stress, stress, right. stress. This place sucks for the dog. There's nothing that good, nothing good comes out of the vet. And a lot of it is, is just, I think dog owners need to do a little bit more work on going to the vet without the appointment and doing some desensitization. And then maybe once out of the time they go there, they, they, you know, so to answer your question, considering all the conditioning that we've already done to make this situation very stressful for your dog, I don't think realistically we're going to be able to get the dog to walk in there and be like, this is going to be great. I can't wait to be shot. So (laughs) I I, I think the muzzle, um, if you're using meds to kind of cool the dog down a little bit. That's also good, but there's nothing that we're going to be able to talk about, about going in there and making the dog love the place. The only okay. recommendation I would have is just, and again, people, I don't have time for that. I can't do that. Okay. But to me, I just tell people, the only thing you can really do is have a good relationship with your vet and say, Hey, you mind if I come once a week and just do a little bit of obedience and feed my dog their dinner in your office? Okay. And then leave. Yeah. Um, that that's really he won't the, go. They might the vet does allow that. They're a fear, non fear based. They have those oils in the rooms and mm-hmm. the um. will bring them. But since since then he's not. It, since the last visit where he he lost his mind, um, I can't even get him through the door. Right, and they've had, and, but you, they've also had severe complications with surgery. So the dog's been in and out, and the only thing that comes of your dog going there is is pain and discomfort. So again, like dogs over the just animals in general over the years have been conditioned to stay away from things that hurt them because that's what keeps them alive. Right, right. True. Think of a deer that got shot at or shot and they survived and they're like, okay, that human, because I smelled that human, I, they're so weary of it. That's what keeps them alive. They hear it. Right. They, just any, think about any animal. They just, they're like, oh, that's, that's danger. Er, er, their brain goes, alarm, 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 alarm. This is not good. So again, you got to, you got to think of like how much your dog's been, con- again, it's the same thing with any type of conditioning. Like how many times have you gone to this veterinarian and it sucked for your dog? Every time? Okay, well, there's a really good chance your dog's right. never going to like that. So okay. again, you know, it's it's yeah. it, and you got to read between the lines on, you know, the marketing of fear free. It's like fear free for who, right? Because your dog is terrified. So fear free is it's not realistic. Right. You can market all you want that we're a fear free facility, but I can tell you right now, your dog is terrified of going in there, regardless of how many oils they put in the air. It's just right. I understand what you're saying, though. They may be not a traditional vet that just drags the dog out of the car with a catch pole, but I'm saying you know, your dog is terrified that, that is and it. hates it. Yeah. Right. I, I totally understand that. So anyway, um, 
Yeah. So, you know, again, if, if you have that relationship with the dog, I mean, realistically, you know, the person with that person that comes in with that, because, because then you got to go to the next step of getting the vet involved. And so to realistically, in, in my personal opinion, just as a dog owner talking instead of a professional, your dog is never going to like the vet and you're going to probably right. have to tackle your dog and wrestle your dog to, to get stuff done. And that's it. Realistically. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because, is, e- because even if you got your dog to a yeah. point where they love the vet because you feed them in there and then the vet comes out and they're like, nope, it's like, okay, vet, how much time do you have during the week to hang out yeah. with us? You know what I mean? Then it just goes the yeah. and and it's, it's just not, you know, and, and she, it, she's definitely nervous about, I mean, she wanted to muzzle him immediately and I'm like, oh yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Vets I was like, are, wait a second. He's not that big. You no, know, no, no, no. He's yeah. a super cuddly, lovable, like when the first. I was like, he's nervous, but he'll still do it at that point. And then she mishandled, I think, a little bit. But oh, um, they're, 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 yeah. I mean, they see a big dog and they get scared. Oh my gosh. It's well, and like I said, I mean, my job up until this point, and I, I guess people, like yourself are, are signing up and, and paying a fee of my experience, right? My years right. and years and years of experience and brainstorming and working with all these different professionals all over the world and trying to figure out what's the best option. And I can tell you all the feedback I've gotten from vets themselves and obviously my clients every day about, yeah, there, there's a lot of vets who are terrified. Look, you know, you go into work, these veterinarians, again, they want the cute kittens, they want the puppies, they want the yep. friendly goldens, they want, they don't want a dog that tries to bite them because it, it clogs up their schedule, which means less money for them. And they're nervous. They don't, they're not equipped or trained to work with behavioral stuff. So when I, right. so I've seen, I, I, I can't tell you how many times, but don't get me wrong. I have some friends and some colleagues that are tremendous. We have a, we have a, um, a vet down here in uh, in Latham and she's just tremendously amazing. I can't I can't get over how how I mean I wanted to offer her a training position after I saw her handle one of our problematic <laughs> dogs but so anyway so it's Where is that vet? It's the VCA on Route 9 um right at VCA. like right where I don't know if you know where the there's a Hoffman's car wash like right at the Yeah. Yeah, so like yeah. right where that Home Depot is if you keep going uh towards um I don't know towards like Away, away, so south, I would say. You're going to hit right. it right there on the right. Um, I know VCA. Yeah, right there on the right. Uh, they, ha- they have a tremendous staff that uh, okay. worked with Hawk, one of our Malinois, that um, is historic for not liking people and actually taking action of who they don't like. And this vet just handled it so well. Um, and it was very, very impressive. So there, so my point is, is there, there's some out there that will will yeah. that are willing to go outside and get a catch pole and, and wait 25 to 30 minutes for some meds to kick in and then, you know, do the muzzle and, you know, they're not afraid when a dog tries to bite them and they're out there. But for the majority of it, think about a vet going in in the morning and just trying to go, get through their day to get as many appointments done as they can. Right. And I've just, and it's, I've just seen it. It's not even in my, I've just seen it firsthand. They're, they don't even, sometimes they're just an autopilot. They don't even think. They're like, okay, medicine, boom, 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 shots, boom, boom, boom. And then they get a dog that's like, and they're like, yeah. hey, can you can you leave? Can you come back later? You know, they, they just don't want to deal with it, which yeah. I get it, you know? Yep, that makes sense. All right, then I've got some work to do. And if um, I have any more trouble with Val, I will and can't get it. Yeah, let us know. Again, I just learned, I just found you. So uh, I think... <laughs> 
just watching your videos is so educational for oh, Thank you. actually training the right way. I'm glad. Is there any, I know you got to go, is there any like training two dogs? Like, should I be training them for these sit stays separate? Because I've always trained them together. Well, you, you would train them separate if it's not, if they're not good together. So if you have, they're two different dogs with two different behavioral patterns and two different learning patterns. So you always want to train the two dogs sep- separate okay. and master their ability. You think about it like kids, right? You get two kids that don't know anything. They don't know how to read or write. And then you get two brothers, brother and sister sitting there like knuckleheads, like, you know, they're not paying attention to you. You're, you're, and that's, one of the main reasons why a lot of people will talk about not getting siblings is because they're so interested and involved with each other that the training becomes very difficult because of that reason. Train them separate, master this stuff separate, and then bring them together. Okay. All right. All right, you guys, we have reached the end of the podcast, which means I'm going to be answering at least three of your questions. First question is from Blair from Tennessee. Tom, first of all, love your podcast. Thank you for all you do. I have a least reactive Aussie mix who is pretty much perfect in every other area, but she does great in our apartment except my neighbors. All have small dogs, French bulldogs, shih tzus, etc. They all have very, very talkative, and I try to rein mine in quickly because she is so much bigger, and most of the little dogs she is around are just allowed to keep barking and reacting as their owners don't care. Is there anything I can do on my end to help mitigate my dog's reactivity to little dogs when they are reacting back and I will evident inevitably sorry see them daily you know I mean conditioning so the question is is we have dogs that live in our building or our neighbors that have smaller dogs that are constantly reacting at our dogs which then set my dog off and so um, I would just say making sure that you know, you're rewarding the dog once they, so a, a lot of operant conditioning here, just get your, whatever leash you're using to deter behavior and say, Hey, that's inappropriate as well as making sure that you have good obedience on board to counter this stuff. And then of course your reward system has to be good, but it's got to be realistic. If these dogs are off leash running around nagging your dog and all that stuff, I mean, that's not realistic. So I would just try to avoid the dogs first of all, because it's um, an uphill battle fighting dogs that you can't control and the owners who don't care. And then just make sure your time, I would just, if you have an opportunity, maybe if they're just barking and you have a wall or a door that you can work on, I would just have that opportunity to really isolate and teach your dog what is appropriate and good behavior and what gets the dog paid. So getting out that favorite, favorite toy or that favorite treat, or even fasting your dog in the morning and paying your dog in the hallway as the dogs are barking um, and your dog is disengaged, working on maybe a focus command to get the dog back on you, things like that. I hope that helps. Thank you for the review. Appreciate you. All right, we have another one. Great podcast. I have a question from K-R-I-C-I-C-G. Another five-star review. Thank you so much. New Jersey listener here. Your talks have helped me tremendously with our one-year-old male dog, Argentino. I will listen to your podcast and videos almost daily. I have him castrated for behavioral aggression issues, or I'm having him fixed. Okay, I should say that. Um, Example, we went up my father-in-law's house, basically our second home. It's right down the street, and we have extended visits there several times a week since the day I 
brought him home. He has known and seen my father-in-law almost every other day since I bought him. Spent a couple hours there one day, and the dog is fine the whole time with everyone. My father-in-law is sitting on the front steps, and my dog goes up to him wagging his tail, giving him kisses, climbs all over him, and my father-in-law pets him and says, good boy, etc. When my father-in-law told him, okay, okay, enough is enough, and stands up, he attacks him. Thankfully, we had the muzzle on, and he's off and he's he's off leash so no leash outside big yard no food he has managed to muzzle punch him my vet and trainer both suggest neutering him uh to caveat with the caveat that there's nothing that may make this worse Um, my vet says that there's no way to tell until you have the dog surgery have you ever experienced a dog's aggression getting worse after neutering um so this is a question we get all the time and the answer is yes i've seen dogs get worse because of neutering i've seen dogs have no behavioral problems and then get neutered and then have behavioral problems um so it is a thing and uh you know when these i don't know man i mean these these big mastiff type protective guardian type breeds keeping them intact um (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's such a thing. I, to, to me personally, in my experience, to be honest with you guys, I just find that these big protective Rottweilers, uh, Mastiffs, um, Corsos, uh, whatever, keeping them intact is like setting them up to say, hey, I want you to protect and not really be a pet. I want you to be a certain dog, especially from some of these working line dogs. So you're going to get the aggression. You're going to get the turn switch. You're going to get some of these stuff. It's just... And, and, and I'm trying to do a better job at understanding behaviorally, internally why it's happening. But I'm telling you as a professional and working with as many dog owners as I can, this is a thing. It happens all of the time. So I would get them fixed. And then to be honest, just limit the amount of interaction your dog has. Um, wait a little bit after the, the surgery and, and see what happens. Um, and I'd be interested to see what happens. So if you're in the no bad dog, uh, you know, if you're in the no bad dog uh, army or whatever, it'd be nice to know. All right, Kristen Lenz, uh, thank you for making five-star review. Thank you so much. Hey, Tom, I've been following your YouTube channel since I got my German Shepherd about four years ago. You obviously had an amazing knack for understanding dogs and your ability to communicate is incredible. I joined the no bad dog a couple months ago and gained even more by being able to your own cut videos. Thank you so much. I have a four and a half year old German Shepherd mix and they're fixed. Not sure if it's relevant, but I also have a year and a half year old female German Shepherd not fixed yet. And I started taking them, taking both Shepherds to training club twice a week and a little over a year as an opportunity to socialize by having them work around other dogs. I typically put one dog in place and work the other dog for an hour and switch, or I bring one dog home for both hours and leave them home at the same time. Um, since I started doing place uh, at a distance in the public, my older shepherd began to display separation anxiety. It may have been there before, but I can't remember putting them in scenarios to test it. His obedience is good, but he pretty much whines the entire time. Six months ago, we finally lunged at a youngster shepherd that was overexcited and trying to get him into the, into his space while we were walking. I'm going to try to... Um I'm wondering if there any type of behavior modification I can work on with him to get him back. However, no reactivity ever will no reactivity ever with other dogs or is it just a new behavior? Um, yeah, I would say it's just probably a new behavior and having your dog in a downstay as other dogs are actively around trying to get into your dog's space is just going to set you up for failure. It's going to like, I would like if I put, if I put Lakota in a downstay in a place, 
she's going to stay there for as long as I release her. But if another dog is walking around and trying to play with her, she's going to snap at that other dog, 100%. Get out of here. I'm not here for you. I don't want to play with you. I don't know you. I'm just trying to work. I'm just trying to train. And it's your job to make sure that you're advocating for your dog so those things don't happen. So if that means telling the dog owner, hey, please keep your dog away from my dog as I'm working on obedience, he or she doesn't like that. Or putting your dog in a crate if there's going to be other dogs around instead of a place out in the open. Good question. All right. Ash, Ashley 320, best dog training podcast, best dog training podcast, five stars. Thank you. Hey, Tom, first of all, thank you so much for all the great content you provide for your, for dog owners. I have a quick question. I have been working with my 10 month old pity boxer rescue pup since day one using balanced training methods and his basic obedience is great depending on the situation. The issue I'm having is, is when I'm rewarding him highly in stimulated and highly stimulated environments. I have worked on building his play drive a lot since he isn't particularly motivated by food. However, on the trail or in other distracted environments, he regularly refuses rewards, rather that's chicken, which are his favorite, or a valuable toy at playtime. He still obeys my commands in these environments. Also, we use the prong collar with a long line, and he even does it. He even does be, obey my commands. He doesn't want to, but uh, he doesn't want anything that's in my hand. He will literally sniff the food in my hand and won't take it. I worry that I'm not able to mark good behaviors in these environments. Um, what do you recommend for dogs who aren't motivated by pretty much anything? Well, again, if your reward system is good, you're using your verbals anyway, and that's all that matters. Dogs who are going to be overly stimulated may not take food or a ball or whatever you want them to take or whatever they would take externally without having these distractions but again it's a currency game so if your dog is still behaving and doing well and you're worried about rewarding them if your reward system is good your verbal is what matters at the core regardless no food or no ball should be the sole predication of your reward system it should be your voice and then maybe every now and then they get a reinforcement from from an external so that's the answer to that. Cool. All right, next week we're getting into a bunch more. Um, so we got some good questions coming up. If you guys want me to answer your dog training questions, all you have to do is go over to the iTunes review chart, leave your review and a question in the comments. It's the only way you can really interact with me here on the podcast. Thank you for listening. Again, number one freaking podcast to the moon, peeps. Thank you guys so much. I will talk to you next week. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.